First Kings chapter 16 and verse number 30. Look at this. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Wow. I trust that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we go into His Word together tonight. Trust you had a great Easter season, and I'm looking forward to uh, spending some great time with you here over the next few weeks as we uh, continue on after Easter. There is church after Easter, by the way. <laughs> Quite a bit of it, in fact. I'm going to begin a series on the program tonight that's probably going to go on for quite some time. It's very, very important, and I trust that you would catch this. The, uh, the beginning message is going to deal with something quite simple, and I want you to catch this. It's simple, but it's profound. I'm going to be talking about obedience and disobedience. Obedience and disobedience. It's just that simple, isn't it? God has given us a plan his plan has a name. The name is Jesus. And the plan is outlined for us in the Bible. That's why the Bible is very important. The long and the short of it is this. God has given us the plan. The question is this. Are you going to obey or live by the plan or not? Obey or disobey? In this day and age in which we live, I want you to catch this. The majority of persons walking around on the earth today, in particular right here in the good old United States of America, the majority of them have made the choice to disobey God's purpose and plan. That's not good. For those who have chosen to obey, how are we to live? That's the crux of this particular series that we've titled The, Eli the Spirit of Elijah. I started to say the Elijah spirit. Our text passage is actually found in 1 Kings. We'll tell you more about that as we get into the teaching. I want to read to you one of the additional scriptures that we're going to be using. It's found in Deuteronomy. I'm going to read that and we're going to jump right on into what we have for tonight. If you have your Bibles, follow along with me. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 39. And the record puts it this way. Acknowledge and take heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below there is no other. There is no other. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every person that's turned on this telecast by whatever means. And I pray and ask in the name of Jesus that by your word you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we thank you for the plan and we thank you for the the ability to read it and know it and understand it, to comprehend it in such a way as to live it out in the power of the Spirit. And that is my prayer for myself and for those listening at this time. We pray, we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up and hopefully tell you a thing or two about New Life Community Church. God bless.
down work. And let me say this to, to you New Life folks. Yeah, this is the first time I've been in the pulpit since January 17th. So I'm chomping at the bit. You've got to know that. This is what I do. This is what I'm called to do. And I believe every time I come before you, those listening by way of live stream, those that will listen by way of our television uh, ministry or tele television telecast, as the case might be, I always feel like I'm bringing God's word to you, the word that the Lord has given me for you. I'm not just here beating the air. I didn't get some message from Reader's Digest in the mail this week. It come from the Lord. I feel very strongly that this particular series is very, very timely for this particular period in our land, in our country, and in the life of our church. So I encourage you to listen, not only with your ears, but with your spirit this morning. I'm telling you, we had a great time of worship to pave the way for this. Amen? So you hear the word of the Lord. First and Second Kings, as well as First and Second Chronicles, are what we might say in the business, in the preaching business, as essential reads. If you haven't read them, I would encourage you to read through them on your own time. Don't start that right now. You listen to me, but uh, you start then and you read through those books. They are companion volumes, and you'll realize that as you read through. All four volumes are indeed history books. How many of you get really excited about history? Yeah, history is my favorite subject. All four of them are indeed history books, but watch this. Bible history. Bible history books are so much more than the mere record of something or some things that just happened. I'm headed to number one on your study notes. Beloved, the Bible, which I believe is the Word of God, the Bible is God's accounting of something or some things that actually happened. Not just happens, this just actually happened. And so as such, I believe that all that's recorded here in the Word of God is sovereignly placed there in order to give us a number of things. First of all, an, an intimate perspective regarding how God thinks. Secondly, what God thinks. Thinks, and then ultimately the way God expects you and myself to think and act. You know, God expects certain things of you. He expects certain things from you, whoever you are. That's one of the great things about preaching the gospel. I love this. You may be sitting here this morning, well, you're just talking to you know, Joe Blow over there, Bonnie Sue, whoever, and blah, 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 blah. It's not for me. It is for you, whoever you are. And, and again, even those listening by way of live stream, we may have never met eyeball to eyeball, but this word is for you. God has some expectations of you. I want you to understand this. These accounts that we have, and this is true of nearly all of of the Bible, the accounts were not written exhaustively, but rather selectively. God chose what to put in there. If he'd have put everything in there that ever happened, can you imagine the volumes we would be carrying around? But he sovereignly placed these things. One commentator has put it this way with regards to 1 Kings, and I quote, the theme of 1 Kings centers on the fact that the welfare of Israel and Judah, the divided kingdom, depends upon the faithfulness of the people and their king to the covenant. 
Let that sink in. The, the commentator goes on to say, observance of God's law produces blessing. It's very important. It's an integral part of what I'm trying to say to you this morning. Observance of God's law produces blessing, but apostasy, a turning away from God, is rewarded by judgment. Let me say this. It's been on my spirit this morning. I didn't didn't know where I was going to plug this in. Sometimes I think that people think that we preachers are just upbeat and air about this is wrong, that's wrong, don't you do this, don't you do that, just to get our jollies because we don't want to do certain things so we think nobody else should be able to do those things. Here's what you need to understand. When you transgress God's plan and purpose, there is a price to pay. So what we're saying is preventive in nature. Does that make sense to you? Now, it's not unusual for God to help us understand how we are to act and react to life's little dilemmas by, watch this, outlining a true life saga that portrays the exact opposite. Huh? In other voids, we observe the life and the times of some for real character that failed to live in obedience to God's prescribed plan, and we get to see in real time the consequential demise of such one. Quickly fill in number two with me, beloved. Here's the moral of that story. If you live like the disobedient, if you live like the disobedient, then you will suffer the adverse consequences. The Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. And the wages of sin is what, church? It's death. So, again, here's the moral of the story. Don't live a lifestyle of disobedience. Why? So Pastor Terry won't be disappointed? No, so that you will not suffer the consequences. But rather, live like God has prescribed. Here's the coolest thing in the whole wide world. And listen, I was born cool and I never got over it. I am an expert on cool. Say amen right there. So I'm telling you, it's Mr. Cool. Here's the coolest thing ever. God Almighty gave us his word and told us in here, tells us in here how he expects us to act and react. You can read it. You can know how God thinks, what he expects, and how we are to live. Isn't that wonderful? What an instruction manual. Can you see the wisdom in this? Watch. For some strange reason, People who do people things. Everybody say, I do people things. If you didn't do a people thing this past week, you probably will this coming week. People who do people things are able to process information by way of negative examples better than positive statements. What do you mean by that, Pastor Terry? God made a positive statement to Adam. He said to Adam, and I'm paraphrasing, this is the New International Version. He says, Adam, see that tree? Don't eat from that tree. Because if and when you do, you will die. Adam saw the tree, knew what God was talking about. He got it. Maybe. My question to you is this. Did Adam 
take that forewarning, that positive statement, did he take it to heart? Say no. No. He didn't. However, you know he, he partook of the forbidden uh, tree, the forbidden fruit. But afterward, God kicked him out of the garden and with that negative experience before him, Adam was like, oh, so that's what you meant. I get it now. Now, wouldn't you think that if anybody had any sense whatsoever, if God said to them, don't do this, they'd say, okay, that's God talking. He's the man, so I better not do this. But it didn't work. It only worked after Adam got booted out of the garden. And he's like, oh, now I get it. Sound like anybody you know? People do people things. Now, listen, watch. This is a little parentheses, but it's apropos to what I'm saying to you this morning. If you desire, whoever you are, if you desire to engage a meaningful and beneficial study of God's word, and I trust you do, I want to exhort you to focus your reading on the observance of this never-ending cycle of God blessing obedience. Subsequently, the obedient one taking the blessing for granted, in other words, being distracted by the blessing, then consequently transitioning away from the worship of the blesser to the worship of the blessing. We see that over and over and over. I'm headed to number three on your study notes. Beloved, I am I'm, I'm amazed. I'm actually perplexed and just kind of downright frustrated on my own part how poorly we human beings handle blessings and prosperity. Am I telling you the truth? Most people cannot handle blessings and prosperity. It's true, most follow the pattern that I just described. They seek God, God blesses, they look at the blessing, they fall in love with the blessing, they begin to worship the blessing, they're distracted, they forget all about God. That's people. Let me help you understand something. Listen, this is very subtle sometimes because they're in the United States of America, there are a lot of good things, good things, but they're not God things. And I want you to know and understand, new life, worshiping the blessings never works. Never works. And God has inserted living example after living example to prove that point. That's not just my opinion. That is a Bible fact. Now, finally, that brings me back to our text. You thought I'd forgotten about that, didn't you? Here in our text, 1 Kings chapter 16, we are introduced to one of the many kings of ancient Israel. That in and of itself is an interesting study. This particular guy, his daddy was Omri. I didn't say Ornry, but Omri, what a name. And he had a boy and they named this boy Ahab. I understand the name Ahab means uncle or daddy, or father, nothing major going on there. Verse 30 of our text very succinctly establishes the problem. Apostasy is out of breath. Are you with me? 
First Kings chapter 16 and verse number 30. Look at this. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Wow. Number four, I want you to note something. I want you to note that it says here that he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This is key. It's key. Right out beside number four, this is key. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Watch this, church. It wasn't I that made that determination. It was not, it was not our denominational affiliation that made that determination. It wasn't the United States House of Representatives that made that determination, neither the Senate. It wasn't even the Supreme Court of the United States of America, but it was the Lord. Everybody say the Lord. It was the Lord God Almighty. Now, just for the record, just for the record, it is the Lord that determines what is right and what is evil. That's not up to me. That's not up to you. It's not up to the government. Because I'm telling you, they're not doing so swell with it nowadays. It's not up to denomination. It's up to God alone. Watch this. Others, all others, somebody say all. All others can only affirm what God has established or God forbid purpose to deny what God has established. But it's up to God alone. God alone retains this sovereign authority. Pastor, you better have some Bible for that. You know I do. Go with me over to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Boy, it's hard to say that when you're missing a few teeth. Deuteronomy. Chapter 4, verse 39 says this, Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. I can preach that to you this morning with confidence, whoever you are, and not only those of you that are in agreement with apostasy here, but perhaps some of you that are listening by way of live stream or the television program or whatever the case might be, something online. There is no other other God alone is the sovereign authority but pastor Terry that doesn't count under the new covenant does it that doesn't count under this age of grace does it well Paul was pretty much convinced that it counted. I'm going to the book of Colossians. You know, he wrote that little letter to the church at Colossae. And here's what he said in verse 16 of chapter one, for by him, and he's talking about Jesus Christ who uh, did not consider it uh, wrong uh, to consider himself, co himself co-equal with the Father. So what, uh, what you say about Jesus, you're saying about God the Father. By him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, and invisible, what you can see and what you can't see, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17, he is before all things, bless the Lord, and in him all things hold together. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. And this very God established that Ahab 
did evil according to the Lord. What an indictment. What an indictment to end up in God's hall of shame as the one who did more evil than any of those before him. And that's, that's saying a lot if you go back and take a look at the record. I want you to take note what it was that put Ahab over the top as an evil ruler. I'm in the middle part of verse 31 of Acts or our Kings, 1 Kings chapter 16. And we're told there, he also married Jezebel. He also married Jezebel. Now, fill in number five with me, listen carefully. In particular, if you're a younger person here today, I want you to listen to this very, very carefully. The problem is not that Ahab married. That wasn't the problem. The problem is who it was that he chose to marry. Are you with me? Wasn't a big deal that he got married. The big deal was who he chose to marry. Listen to this preacher. Beloved, it is possible to develop feelings for and ultimately marry the wrong person. You're listening to me. It's possible to develop feelings for and ultimately marry the wrong person. This directly contributed to Ahab's downward spiral. Now watch, I'm not blaming Ahab's actions on Jezebel necessarily, but I will say this to you. His innate flickerings, if you please, were fanned into full flame by Jezebel. Either one of these characters was a piece of work, but these two together would make Bonnie and Clyde look like Abbott and Costello. Huh? Jezebel was a mean woman. She was a mean woman. She was a personification of pure evil. Jezebel was a daughter of a king. A king that happened to be a priest, you might think, well, that's pretty cool. She grew up in a, a pastor's house. No. He was a king and he was a priest of Baal. B-A-A-L. It's hard to say that correctly if you're from Satspahal. But he was a priest of Baal. And I'm going to talk to you more about Baal in the lessons to come. But stick with me. One commentator has said this about Jezebel. Quote, she was a masculine woman with strong intellectual powers and a fierce passion for evil. She was strong-willed and possessed. Beloved, we're going to wrap it up right there. I want to do so by asking you this question. And this is very, very important. And I'm going to tell you why. Are you living in obedience to the Word of God? Yeah, I run into so many today and I have so many conversations with persons and Usually if I engage someone that I don't even know very well, eventually I end up, and you're kind of bringing it around to this, are you connected with the church? It's really interesting some of the, the responses that I get from that. And if we are able to communicate long enough, 
I ask if there is a connection to Jesus Christ. I'm always somewhat surprised at the number of people that say, yes, I believe in God, I believe in Christ, but they're not connected with the church. And as you begin to, uh, to push in, you realize they're not living in obedience to the Word of God. Many of them will just flat out tell you that. I know I should be doing better. Well, if you know that, what's stopping you from doing better? I said all that to say this. Are you living in obedience to the Word of God? There's blessings promised for those who obey. There's curses promised for those and rewarded for those who disobey. God's purpose and plan for your life is that you know and understand His purpose and plan for your life and all the promises uh, and the blessings, I should say, that's promised to such ones. I want to be an encouragement to you by means of this telecast. I want to be a, uh, an encouragement to you to know and understand the Word of God and to purpose in your own heart, your own spirit, your own mind that you are going to live it out. You're going to walk it out day by day, moment by moment, living in obedience and being that which God purposed you to be. We're going to talk to you more about how to do that as we continue on with this teaching. I just want to encourage you to make that determination and to make that now. Don't put it off. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those that are listening right now, in particular those that haven't been living in obedience. I pray for that one that's come to my spirit right now that has just completely walked away from you. They know your word. They have it memorized. They have been in somewhat of a relationship with you, but they've walked away from that. They're living in disobedience. I pray that right now would be the time when by your spirit you draw them back to yourself and they purpose to uh, put their feet back under your table, as it were, and to be in fellowship with you and to be in victory in their life. Lord, help them to understand it's not only a victory for themselves, but for all those that are in their sphere of influence, their web of influence. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. It's very, very important for me to encourage you to be a part of the forever family of God and to come together with God's forever family and a church worship celebration somewhere every week. Please don't put that off. You know, with the shutdowns and the COVID and all of the... Uh, all of that, many churches have shut down. I mean, just completely stopped having services. And that leaves some who were a part of the church to say, okay, it's, uh, you know, the, the law says, the government says that we shouldn't be meeting right now. It's the safe thing to do. And they've just completely uh, failed to and ceased meeting with God's people. It's still God's purpose and plan for you to come together as the body of Christ, and I want to encourage you to do that. New Life has in-person gathering Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We try to, as always, and this, just, this didn't start a year ago, we've always tried to do so safely. When at any time has the church attempted to meet in an unsafe way? We try to do that safely, but that's Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, also midweek activities. Wednesday evening, we call that Family Ministries Night, 7 o'clock. We would love to see you. If you have some questions about things we've discussed here on the program, there's an email address there on the bottom of the screen. If you shoot me an email, I'd be glad to try to answer those questions. If you have any questions about uh, the Bible, period, we'd love to try to address those questions 
with you. Give us a holler. We'll be waiting on you. Well, my time is completely gone. I'm going to have to get out of here. I am Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church, wishing you a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back 